0: Welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowill, and my friend, Robbie Earle. Earlier this week on social media, at the FFW Podcast, we put out a poll asking you guys which movie should we talk about, X-Men, Days of Future Past, or X2, and... To my delight, X-Men Days of Future Past won that competition. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Before I dive in, Robbie, I wanted to ask you how you're doing, but also just tell you that I missed the MCU. And let's give a little update on kind of where we stand right now.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I think we were talking a week or two ago. uh, How I'm doing is also tied to me missing the MCU because uh, I (laughs) I can only... Go back and, and rewatch these movies so many ways. But I did uh I think you and I both recently watched Endgame.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say, let me spin this positively then. I finally finished my rewatch with my parents. So for those of you that have been following us on Instagram, I've posted some stories about my dad's reaction to some of these movies. And I'm happy to report that A, I finished the whole rewatch again, and it's so good. <laughs> I had so much fun. I think I almost have as much fun when I'm watching it vicariously through someone who's never seen it as the, I did the first time, like it still comes back to life for me. I'm engaged oh, yeah. because he's never seen it.
1: I have the same um, thing.
0: And I'm, and I'm happy to report that he loved the last two. I think infinity war was shocking to him, which makes me so happy. Um,
1: <laughs> did you, and the jokes
0: really landed in infinity war for him.
1: Oh, nice. He, okay. he
0: thinks the guardians are really funny. Um, but also got the seriousness of the moment and I think he liked Thanos and then was shocked by the ending. And then I think my mom and dad both loved Endgame even more.
1: Okay, that's what I was going to ask is, is if you thought they had a preference.
0: My mom connected more with Endgame because of the emotional side of things and like the drama a little bit. Right. Whereas like she doesn't connect as much with the fighting. Uh, but my dad, I think, just loved not knowing what was going to happen. I think he went all this time not knowing anything about the movie. Yeah, and so I think they were truly shocked when they cut Thanos' head off in the first thirty minutes because he was like he really thought that's what the movie was going to be about. I think, right? Um, Gosh, it was just so much fun, and then the ending. just when they finally all come out of the portals, it, it hit him. I think it, I think it worked. Yeah. It worked. So I tweeted the Rousseau brothers, good work. <laughs> like, it works on a lot of people. Man. And so he had so much fun. And I'm actually, I thought he would just be done with it when he was done with it. And he made a comment to me offhanded, like, I may need to go back and rewatch some of these again to pick up some more stuff. And he kept bringing it up, like at a pool party and stuff, which yes. makes me so happy because that's not my dad's personality. Right. He was like telling all my nieces and nephews that he watched it and he finished them all. And <laughs> so I don't know. Man, I was really excited about
1: it. I I just wound up watching Endgame randomly because I was craving it. Uh I think I, well, over the past couple months, I just rewatched the, the Avengers movies and then kind of culminated with that. And uh I just, I'm kind Has of- Has
0: there ever been a movie that, gets better each time like that man
1: that's what i was gonna say
0: it moves up every time like more in my list
1: and i know like i well i've talked about this before there are certain movies even within within the mcu that don't do that um that will go down on subsequent watchings or kind of varied just depending on the state but that one yeah i mean it's like i and we didn't even you know it wasn't that long ago that we watched it and did the episode on it but i felt like uh I had some distance from it and it was just, it was so moving for me at the end. And I feel like a way it, it hasn't even been before, like, it, which is crazy. Cause you know, I just, I feel like that's one that every time I watch it, different things hit me and more than anything, like it kind of cemented my own ranking with that one kind of edging out infinity war, just in how like nuanced it is. And, and yes. like in all the balls in the air, the, the reason I bring this up though, obviously that's not the movie we're talking about in this episode, but I was really grateful to have watched that movie because I think that there is a lot in common yes. between Endgame and days of future past.
0: You know, we've already talked probably maybe eight to 10 hours on this podcast alone about Endgame. Right. <laughs> so at this point I've, I've mentioned all of the major scenes, but can I tell you one random thing that I really appreciate this time through. This is a deep cut. Please. If you pay attention, we go through the entire Tony funeral. And the one thing that kind of brings us out of that is this shot of Thor overlooking Asgard. And he's got this like solemn look on his face. Huh. And it's the, it's the new Asgard. Right. And that edit from that funeral to the silence of Thor just like overlooking new Asgard and not knowing what he's about to do. And he's going to pass on the reins to Valkyrie Hmm. that edit. I feel like really was perfect. Like something needed to bring us out of that funeral scene. And it's like eight minutes of just emotional. And that was for me, for some reason this time was like the perfect transition.
1: I don't know. You know, I never thought about that, but that's true. I mean, I know it's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. I was was thinking this time though, how like I, I was kind of looking out for, for that in a in a way, I guess, because I was thinking this film gives us so much closure on on Tony, so much closure on Cap, and obviously way less so on on Thor. But it, in a way, though, it, it does like if we weren't to get any more Thor movies, which I'm glad that we are. You know, it, it does kind of take him to sort of the end of the arc that we saw start with the first film, and I think most of that is kind of summed up in that scene you're talking about.
0: Yeah. I don't know, it's just really beautiful to yeah. me. Okay. Before we dive into X-Men Deja Future Past though, can we talk a little bit about how I still miss the MCU? <laughs> I posted on Instagram at the FFW podcast like a story a week ago just man, I didn't think I'd have to wait this long and I didn't think right. it'd be bothering me as much as it is. I'm still anxiously hesitant slash nervous slash excited about what direction they go. Because after watching Endgame again, I'm realizing, man, they could go so many different directions with this. And I really hope they get it right. And I do trust Kevin. Right. But I just miss it. And the news of Falcon and Winter Soldier being pushed back a little bit. And I think WandaVision being pushed back a Mm -hmm. little bit is a bummer. I really hope that Black Widow still stands in November. I'm fascinated to see what they do with that movie. Right? Do they put it out in the theaters? Do they wait to put it out? Do they stream it only? That's a bold choice. Yeah. I don't know. But basically my update is I have no updates.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it It's hard because I just feel like nothing, no dates are firm right now. Um, at least, I mean, the, the Disney Plus shows, I would hope, should not be delayed indefinitely, right? Like, if anything, I feel like no, this is a great time to be kind of
0: yeah, get them out. Yeah, to, to you'll be have the biggest viewership ever, right?
1: Uh, the yeah, I I am also really curious to see what happens with Black Widow and, and Tenet, You know, to kind of touch on our last episode, I feel like what Nolan Woo. decides or what WB rather decides to do with um, okay. Tenet, I think will say a lot.
0: Well, then I'm going to update you. As oh, of now, me. Tenet is coming out in early September internationally,
1: hmm. and then
0: like a couple weeks delayed in the United States. That's what they've said.
1: Oh, okay. That was okay. the news. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that's So nice. we'll
0: see if it stands. But
1: yeah. Right. Because I mean, last I saw, it was delayed indefinitely.
0: Yeah, I read these articles that a ton of the studios and the theaters are basically playing chicken and the egg. Like, someone has to just decide and go first. Like, are we going to open theaters, Hmm. and then they'll give you the movies? Or are you going to just give us the movies, and then we'll open theaters at 60% capacity or whatever? Right. But someone's going to have to just go first. So that will be really interesting to see. Man. And there's obviously a lot of money at stake. Okay. That's our update on the MCU give us an intro to days of future past. I'm excited to talk about this. And I got a lot of big picture topics that's going to lead me to. So you go
1: first. Okay, perfect. Uh, well, this film was released in 2014. So for those keeping score, this was the same year that guardians and winter soldier came out. So good year for superhero films, um, directed by Brian singer stars, Hugh Jackman, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Peter Dinklage, here as as the connector between the two universes. Um, Nicholas Holt, yes. Patrick Stewart, and, uh, of course, Ian e. McKellen. And, I mean, this this movie is, I think, very much, um, like I was saying earlier, kind of the the endgame of the X-Men universe, at least at that point. It's very much the culmination of what they were doing, um, you know, almost... Or I guess 15 years, sort of uh, prior, up until then, and so it was really interesting for me to watch, kind of in that headspace, having watched Endgame recently. Um, but I this is this is an episode that I'm really excited about because we have not talked about this movie literally at all. So I can't wait to hear literally what your thoughts are. like not even a text, not even anything. No. So like, I uh, like ever,
0: like ever, not even just, oh, that's we, true. Yeah. not yeah. just when we rewatch it, but like ever,
1: right? Like, like Spider-Verse and Dark Knight. I knew where you stood, uh, cause we've talked about them at least in passing before, but I, yeah, this one is, is totally new. So hit me with, with, uh, your reaction.
0: Well, I want to talk about big picture, the X-Men working their way into the MCU we could do that first or we could table it. I also want to talk about this so funny you brought up. I literally wrote down Endgame and Inception for, with Inception's case, like an inspiration for this movie, and Endgame, just anytime they're dealing with this time travel stuff, it's there's a lot of similarities here. Right. So we could talk about that. And then I also want to talk about just a few scenes of the actual movie. Now, here's the thing. I really loved this movie. I was struck by... I thought, okay, this movie's so much better to me than some of the other X-Men movies that Hmm. this must have been a different director. So I Googled it. It's not. Right. And that just makes me think, how in the world can these be so hit or miss? Like if you've seen Apocalypse, I feel like it's a terrible movie.
1: Yeah.
0: How can they be so hit or miss when really... It made me appreciate the MCU in general is not that hit or miss. Does that make sense? Like, there are some misses in the MCU, but for the vast majority of the movies, it's a lesser degree of miss.
1: Yeah, and yeah,
0: some of the X Men movies are so bad. This one to me is really good. So, is that what you were thinking I was going to say or not? I,
1: I mean, yeah, yes and no. Like, I I would agree, and that I tend to think actually that.
0: Oh, you don't like this movie.
1: I think, okay, I I think oh that- Oh
0: my goodness, I have chills. I'm shocked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, first off, well- Let's I'm,
0: come back to the X-Men and the MCU after we talk about the movie a little bit, I think.
1: Okay, okay, um, that's fair. So he, here's the thing, uh, since you're bringing up the MCU, this is my hot take. Oh I'm, my gosh. I'm tempted to say- and this is me. I'm talking about X-Men movies proper here, sort of like we were saying on Instagram. I don't necessarily want to bring in like Deadpool and, and Logan stuff into this. Um, but in terms of the movies that have X-Men in the title, I kind of think that, that the worst MCU films are as good as the best X-Men films.
0: Oh, dude. Okay, dude. Hold on. Hold on.
1: <laughs> hold on. Okay. And- and look, I know that's I'm going to are fighting not right. words. That's not those true. are fighting yeah, words. That's... But listen, I so several of these are like on HBO right now, so I I've kind of been watching them uh randomly in the background over the past few weeks. Um and I I haven't oh watched X2 actually, although I I want to because that still stands out as one of my favorites. Okay. But okay. like I went back and watched X-Men First Class, which is seen as one of the best X-Men movies. Um watch Days of future past, which is also seen as maybe the best X-Men movie. And
0: I just, okay. 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 Look, look, the, this is not where I thought we were going to start. Okay. And I'm and, loving this. And
1: I, I'm going to defend
0: X-Men for all the X-Men listeners,
1: which out there. I love. Cause this is a, such a role reversal for us normally, but yes, I, I just like, I was struck by, I feel like these movies occupy some kind of middle ground between a lot of the, the, you know, like something like Justice League or Aquaman that I I don't think are good at all. And the MCU, which I just think are generally like, even the movies that you and I have, have kind of liked less that are at the bottom of our rankings, I still think hit a certain level of quality when it comes to like the acting and the writing that like I just, watching these films, there are a lot of cheesy moments to me there are a lot of, of kind of like awkward moments to me. Wow. And I just, like I enjoyed it, right? And I think part of that, like I, I love Hugh Jackman and I really love Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Um, I love Patrick Stewart's Xavier and, and Ian McKellen's Magneto. And I especially love Michael Fassbender in these movies. I think he's for sure the best of kind of the, the past X-Men Cast. Okay,
0: hold on. You're you're going so many different directions here. I'm not going to be able to respond to all
1: this. Okay, okay, okay.
0: I first of all in comparison, I don't know that I would agree with that. I, like there are more cheesy moments to me in like Thor 1 than there are in this movie to me. Not even not even really close. I got to be careful cuz I love but I also want to say the MCU is obviously better.
1: I to me right. as well. I agree right. with
0: that too. But Man, so you don't like James McAvoy's performance here?
1: Man, I used to, and I'm not. I was not feeling it this time. It felt a little forced. What? It felt a little over dramatic. Like I think, or melodramatic is maybe the the right word there. Where I just like I, it's hard to
0: like. Man, I, I kind of disagree. I just I kind of watched it, saying to myself. I said to my wife, James McAvoy is a good actor. I uh, I yeah. don't know how if the moments just miss. I guess they miss. There's a couple things that are overacted. There's a couple cheesy lines. I have never, ever, ever, you may know this about me, I never have liked Jennifer Lawrence. I don't get the hype. Man. I don't like her in almost anything she's in, and that's maybe some people are going to crucify me for saying that. I really don't like her. I really don't. She, Her character in this is like equivalent to Captain Marvel for me, a little bit. <laughs> Something about her, I don't like her. I didn't like her in Passengers. I didn't like her in... Hunger Games that much, hmm. um, so that that hurts my case. But yes, Michael Fassbender is a total badass. I love and Michael
1: Fassbender, and I I wish that we Magneto got Magneto more... as a
0: character is super dope.
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, okay. So I don't want to. It sounds like I'm coming and swinging. I guess I am. I I would say like I enjoyed watching this movie, and I would say this movie, even if it's not my favorite of the of the X Men films, which it it might be. I really am not sure because I need to go back and watch X Two again. I have, like, some really fond memories of that movie. Um, but I do think, regardless, this one hits the DNA of X-Men the best. Like, it it goes after one of the most famous X-Men storylines. I mean, isn't
0: it, f- isn't it fun to kind of have the old X-Men and the new X-Men right, in the movie right. and, like, pay homage well, that way? And, like,
1: the Sentinels are, are maybe one of the kind of most classic uh, X-Men villains. And, and, and I think... Do you think Peter Dinklage is great? I mean, he should yeah, be yeah. on
0: Nevada Lear. Yeah, I that think, bothers me.
1: He's not on Nevada Lear <laughs> I, making gauntlets, but I love he Peter is Dinklage here. I actually, yeah, and, and I, I think he does a great job here. Um, I, I guess, I just think that. There are- I also
0: need to say, Hugh Jackman is perfect Wolverine. I wrote that down. Oh,
1: yeah. No, totally. Hugh, Hugh Jack- Jackman, Jackman yeah. could
0: not have been a better cast for Wolverine. And if I was to bring X-Men to the MCU, he would be like the one person I'd be willing to bring in like slowly one at a time. Right. Not like all X-Men, but just explain that he's here for some reason. Right. That's kind of how I see it going. But let, let me. I'll, I'll let you finish here because I'm interrupting you a lot. I'm just shocked right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm shocked right now. So I'll let you finish and then I'll get hit my points.
1: I- I, I was a little shocked too, and I don't want to. I, I know I'm overblowing it here. I'm not trying to say that I that I hated it by any means. Um, I just. I do think, like I was saying, I think this movie hits the DNA of X-Men really well, hits all of the points of of kind of this whole group of people that's struggling between the, the fear and hated thing and kind of touches on the kind of classic civil rights things within X-Men. And I think it does that maybe better than any of the other films. Um, and, and I think also shows how X-Men is different from the MCU, right? Like how, how different having a whole race of mutants is from having like, you know, 12 super powered avengers or or, or however you want to look at it um but i just think that that the execution here is is in a lot of ways from like the the choreography to the acting to the writing just a notch down to me even even from some of the stuff that we get in and, like, Thor or Thor 2 to me. Like, no, I mean, I'm not Man. saying, like, I, 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 that's maybe a hard <laughs> point to make because they're just so different. Like, I like I do love Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. I do love Fassbender's Magneto. So it's, like, those things anchor me. But I'm with you in that, like, I think one of the strangest calls in general in the X-Men franchise has been casting jennifer lawrence who at the time was a massive massive movie star not that she's not now but she was kind of like the it actor at at that point and to make mystique sort of like at the core of the of the the
0: entire film
1: well and like first class as well and days of future past and then she stays on through the ones that have come out since then I just continue to think it's such a strange call because I loved Mystique in the original X-Men trilogy, but she was not this kind of emotionally resonant character. She was more this like badass sort of side kind of morally ambiguous character, and you never got the sense that there was any history really with her and any other character. So I think it's so strange. It's so weird to inject that and then to like I just don't I don't resonate with that character the way that I resonate with like Jean Gray or Storm you know like yep and I just they
0: make it the fundamental core of the whole thing yeah her relationship with Charles versus her relationship with Eric and I'm kind of like where did that come from and also I just she's not good guys I like <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence isn't good. I don't get it. I don't get it. She she's is, not good in American hustle. I don't get it. She's look, not good.
1: So I'll say I've heard that's like a flaming
0: hot take, but she's well, not.
1: her performance is in, in several movies. I have appreciated. Um, like I thought she was great in silver linings playbook. Uh, she was great in, in mother the Aronofsky film, but here, yeah. Admittedly, I haven't seen
0: either of those films. So, okay,
1: fair. Yeah. Here though, like I was watching it with Candace and she was just like, wow. She is not doing a good job <laughs> in this movie. She, and, but
0: she did it in first class, and she doesn't in the new ones either. It's not a new yeah. thing.
1: No, no, no. You're and right. Let you're me right. just
0: in, in the to tie it back to the actual just origin of the universe. I agree. Mystique in general is a weird character to build the whole thing around. Yeah.
1: That like. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I just think that, and I'm not saying she's a bad character. I just think what was kind of fun about her was the kind of mysterious like who does she have allegiance to she's it's almost like kind of creepy the way that they paint her and the transformation in the original trilogy and I think she like she was one of the best parts of that trilogy in the role that she had like as that kind of character but it's sort of like like there are certain characters that I think struggle under the weight of of like a protagonist role like I think that they're great mm. insofar as they're someone that like other characters play off of. But I just like, even in the comics, like Mystique has never been a main X-Men character. Like, I okay, mean, okay. you know, like she has different facets, but I don't think anyone would ever say that she's part of the core DNA of the of the comic history either.
0: Okay, but for every one of those scenes, I offer a counterpoint of, the plane ride scene or the last scene or when Charles talks to his old Charles. Um, yeah, there's some good stuff that hit me.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there is some good stuff. And again, I would say like my favorite scenes are generally the ones with, with Fassbender and, and I don't dislike McAvoy. I just, I just feel well, like, I
0: think we're fundamentally disagreeing on McAvoy here.
1: You know, I, look, I'm generally a McAvoy fan. Um, I, and i'm not even necessarily sure that it's that it's him as much as i just i feel like he's he's written i don't know i just i was i wasn't feeling it this time i wasn't feeling it this time and here's here's the other thing that i'll say like about about this this whole franchise to me i think differs so much from the MCU in a fundamental way. And it is like the lack of any common scheme. Like if the MCU is is defined by looking like five to 10 movies ahead, right? Like the X-Men series (laughs) is so riddled with plot holes and continuity issues. (laughs) So many. That like, it also makes it like, I just, I don't know. I think it's interesting I feel the, like
0: this movie was an effort to just kind of wipe it all out and start over. Kind right, of.
1: Right. Right. And so here's what I'll say there. And then I'll, I'll like, let you talk for a second because I know I'm rambling here. But I, But
0: then Apocalypse comes out and it's that's terrible. What so that's what I was going to say. Did, that's what I was going to say. They didn't run with it.
1: Like, yeah. it's like, if you, if you told me, like, the thing that I really respect about Days of Future Past um, is that the continuity was so fragmented up until that point because they kept releasing bad movies and then kind of trying to pretend that they never happened (laughs) that this movie actually i was watching it did kind of incorporate every x-men movie like even the really bad x-men origins wolverine movie like there are like little slight nods to it to where it kind of is trying to again very in-game like culminate all of these things like the, like, X-Men First Class plus all the ones with Hugh Jackman. And I thought that that was really great the way that it did that. And then to end it the way it does, where, where it's, like, rewriting the continuity, I think would be such a perfect place to have left the franchise. Uh, like, again, we still could have had, like, Deadpool movies and Logan, but, like, having, like, Apocalypse and the Dark Phoenix film feel, like, so... Unnecessary after that movie. Like, it's like they give us this beautiful resolution. Like, it would be like if after Endgame, we just like brought back Steve and Tony and just kind of kept plowing through Avengers films. Like, it's very strange to me that it, it gave us this kind of great <laughs> sense of closure. And then, but then again, like, even in the post credit scene, like we get the apocalypse shout out yeah, and it went like,
0: back even further to an even stronger person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, again, I guess the the if it sounds like I came in very negatively, it's because I think I I remembered this movie being like really really great, like at, at a very high level, and so maybe I tricked myself into like expecting MCU level goodness, and I just like I'm biased, huh. I guess. But but you know, it's like the Dark Knight. I, I went in I, that I, way, I, right? I think and it's like, like the Dark Knight yeah. did not disappoint at all. If anything, it was as good okay. or better than I remembered, and I just.
0: The Dark Knight is like would be on par with the best of any of the MCU movies, I think. For me, would this would be on par with like an average MCU movie. Like I think this is better than some of my bottom tiers. This is better than Ant Man and Captain Marvel and Thor One, Thor Two, Hulk. To me, it's better than those. It'd probably fall somewhere in the middle there somewhere in like yeah. the Dr. Strange realm for me. I know we disagree there. I agree with the plot hole thing. I have seen like all of the X-Men movies maybe twice and I still legitimately am so confused and that's not even being funny. Like I don't 100% understand what fits in what timeline right. and what does what. No, Because it's, yeah. there's so many holes that I don't get it 100%. So maybe the difference between you and me is I went into this movie with an expectation of it being like 65 or 70% and I left feeling like it's 80%, and right. you went in were thinking it's 90% and fell down to 75 so it felt like a huge
1: whatever. I think, I think that's right. I think that's right. I mean, I I, I definitely think this is better than, like, The Incredible Hulk, um, but...
0: I also liked First Class, and it seems like you didn't that much, and I haven't seen it in a while, but I, I really liked rebooting those characters with McAvoy and Fastbender. In particular, and I I really enjoyed that relationship. I liked seeing Eric's tortured past in First Class um, to give a little bit of explanation for for his anger and why he has the views he has. Right. So I, I liked First Class, and I thought this movie was even better. Sounds like maybe we differ there too. But in general, I've liked the rebooting nature because there were so many holes But I am with you that if I tried to actually plot it on paper, it wouldn't make any sense.
1: I wouldn't have any idea what's going on. And that's, you know, like, I think that...
0: Which is another reason why I'm hesitant to work any of these characters into the MCU. Right. Because you're bringing a really broken franchise into something that's really not broken. Yeah. On top of that, we've said this before in a podcast. I think you told me this, and I can't get it out of my head. Fundamentally, the MCU and the avengers don't really work with a mutant gene. Yeah. To me, if you introduce a mutant gene where there's not just like 5 mutants or 10 but there's millions, right. It instantly makes the avengers kind of pointless or meaningless or worthless. Like if you can just be born with this anyways, right. Then why do you need the avengers protecting it changes the entire vibe to like you said, more of the civil rights thing. Which for me, by the way, I love. I love civil rights, but for <laughs> me, has never been. It never has resonated with me in these in these movies as much. Though we're different. I don't know. I just right. that's not my favorite plot well, line. That's I think. All. Yeah, and I, mean, I don't know that it works fundamentally with the Avengers. So I don't want it. Yeah. I thought about this so much last night. I don't want it. Like yeah. I, I'm like I, I'm adamantly against it. Not just neutral. The only thing I can think of. And I've heard this theory that maybe I could get on board with maybe is that the snap in the MCU created like a rift, which caused the mutant gene. And Hmm. the only reason I say I could maybe get on board with that is because if they bring them in slowly and individually, they say like the snap created like a mutant gene in just Wolverine. Okay. Okay, great. If if the Snap just created a mutant gene in a few people and you want to bring them in slowly, like you bring in a couple select characters like Storm, okay, right. I can get on board with that. My last problem with it, though, is like if you bring in millions of mutants, there's so many different powers you have to come up with, and all of my power level stuff just goes in the crapper. Just absolutely goes in the crapper because now you have not just like one super powered person like Thor or maybe even three like Wanda and Captain Marvel. Okay. I have to maybe wrestle with the three of them. You're now bringing in like a hundred thousand characters that might be overpowered, might be more powerful than Thor. And that bothers me. Right. Yeah. So like now all of a sudden the levels are so thrown off that I'm just watching like a comic mess. That's my fear.
1: Yeah, no, I think that I have the same, I think we're on the same page there because I even even in the comics I feel like it's always been difficult to merge those worlds and and obviously I mean Stanley and Jack Kirby created the Avengers and the X-Men. So it's like they come from the same source, but I think that the I think either one works better in their own universe and that's why whenever you do have those These like Avengers versus X Men events, or or any kind of commingling, it always just it it never rings true to me because I'm like, one, what you were saying, if there's a whole race of people that and that sometimes are like by far the most powerful, like some of the X Men comics are so are so like over the top um, that it makes someone like Captain America like look yes totally unnecessary. But also I think that's
0: why I'd be more okay with somebody like Wolverine individually. Right. Because right. it's not that overpowered Which or that's, a few slight characters. And that's but a yes. character
1: that has actually been like incorporated into the Avengers in the comics at points because that character works pretty well. Because I actually he's pretty grounded. I actually, grounded. Knew, that,
0: Robbie. I oh, I actually knew that. Man. Yeah, I actually knew that one thing about comics. How did you I know always that? say I don't know anything? But I don't know. I just I think I remember seeing the classic Wolverine comic with like an A somewhere like mm-hmm. an Avengers thing. I don't know. I feel like I've just known that. Maybe it's a TV show? I don't know, but I knew that one.
1: Wow, this is a big moment for us. I know, I know.
0: Keep going.
1: <laughs> uh, but my my I'm point my my point is also that um, I've just never been a, a big X-Men fan in general in comparison to other elements of, of the Marvel Universe comics-wise, which is like a heretical thing to say as a Marvel comics fan. And I know I'll probably get some flack for this because like, especially through the eighties and nineties, X-Men were like the flagship thing in Marvel. I, and wow, we're
0: taking such a negative stance. We're going to get some serious flack. We are, we are. And, and we'll bring it
1: back. Cause I do want to talk about the stuff that I, that I loved about this movie because it is in there. But I just wanted to say like, I, I just think fundamentally, I know that it's all comic booky. It's all sci-fi. It's all fantasy, whatever. But like, within those rules, it's so much easier for me to say, like, okay, you know, Cap had this procedure where he goes from the super skinny guy to now he's, he's Captain America. Or, like, Tony can make this suit. Or even, like, Thor being this kind of alien godlike being. Like, I can go there the way they set out the rules. But the idea that something in someone's DNA makes them be able to, like, turn their body into ice... Is just a hard thing for me. Like the fact that everyone's gene, like that every mutant has such a like crazy different and like. Out there power is just a little harder for me to stomach, and I know that that's kind of yeah. a ridiculous line in the sand for me to draw. Does that make sense
0: i I always laugh too, when they're like going over all these badass mutants and it's like, and then there's the frog guy right. and I'm like, oh that sucks <laughs> for him right. all he got was a long tongue that can grab guns and hit people with guns. It's tough sledding like, um no, this is my favorite version of Robbie because the Robbie who argues. For the MCU being different than all just comic book things to the person that would just say, oh, it's a comic book movie, is my favorite version of (laughs) Robbie. That's because, and maybe that's my favorite thing about this podcast. We're looking past just the fact that obviously, like, Iron Man's not real or the Hulk isn't real. Right. We're looking past that and saying, okay, if it was real, what does this mean? Or what is this? Or how does this work? And I love that you can differentiate between the two. Like, you can look at X Men and say, some people would just say, it's another comic movie. It's another Marvel movie. Oh, it's the same thing as all of them. And we look at it and go, no, here's where it's actually different. And you're right. Captain America, like a super serum, that makes a little bit of sense to me. I can get my mind around that. It's tough for me to remember Frog Guy, though, in this <laughs> and just be like,
1: yeah. Like I, I just, if, if they were like, for instance, if every mutant were, were like Beast- um, or even like mystique, like I can kind of make that work, you know, where it's just this like genetic anomaly where you're you're essentially a human but with these kind of different qualities. But it's just it's hard for me to get to like oh like I was How born about the with girl the girl ability- that only makes people throw up. <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. In, in general, I'm with, I'm with you in that. Um, I would be fine, right? Like if 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 Marvel wanted to down the road of reboot X-Men um, in a similar way to <sighs> what first class was. But even then what's interesting is we've already gotten all of the kind of landmark. Well, that's not true. A lot of the landmark X-Men stories as films. And a lot of those ha- even in the Phoenix thing has been tried twice and failed both times. So part oh, of me those, is like, yeah. gosh, like, I don't know. Maybe I don't, it's hard to take such a money-making set of characters and just ignore <laughs> them, and I get that. But I am with you in that I think the thing that that actually bothers me the most about the comic world is the proliferation of superpowered characters. Like, there's always this need to keep adding and keep adding and keep adding. And every time I'm you saying. add more, yeah, it makes the ones you have feel less important
0: and... But for some reason, some people are obsessed with that. Not just the money makers, but some fans are like, yeah, I want to see this character. I want to see this I'm like, why do we want hundreds of characters? Right. I'm it, Like, that's not how you
1: write a story. Well, because it, it, it goes back to what we were saying in um, End of the Spider-Verse, where like, and, and even The Dark Knight in a way, like, there's something about the fact that in those movies, those are the only heroes available that like really raises the stakes where it's like... If well, you, and think
0: about like the scene in far from home on a practical level, when Spider-Man says, I want to go to school. Like, can you call Dr. Strange? Can you right. call Captain Marvel? He can actually go through and list people to call. And then he runs out of a list. Right. Imagine if there was millions of mutants. Right. What's and, the point of it then?
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and so I agree. I think that like the X-Men, the X-Men concept works within its own thing. But I think if you try to merge yes. it, it can hurt both of them.
0: But I mean, that's a good, that's a good word. They both work on their own. I just don't need to see them together to tie this back to some positive things though. Yeah, what's yeah, interesting yeah. is everything you just said is how I feel about X-Men. I've always felt about X-Men. Hmm. I've never, I haven't even seen the new Phoenix movie cause I totally don't get into it. Okay. I, that's yeah. how I feel about X-Men, but this movie was different for me. That's where hmm. we differ. Like this movie is fun and good and I really enjoyed watching it. Multiple times during the film last night, I said, this is a really good movie to my wife. Hmm. So I think I just buy the performances more than you do across the board. And I think the plot is kind of fun, bringing them together, uh, the old and the new and the little like twists in that are kind of fun. One last plot hole question that just, I can't get over and then (laughs) then I want to talk about the positive, okay? Yeah, yeah. I just laughed to myself- The very crux of the movie, right, is that if Jennifer Lawrence, if Mystique shoots Trask, that will only validate people's opinions of they need these Sentinels. That's the entire thing they're trying to operate on. Uh To me, what's so funny is if everybody just saw what Magneto did, they would still need the Sentinels.
1: Oh, no, totally. People
0: would still vote for making the Sentinels if that's the reason they were not going to vote for it. Right, they kind of say like, "Well, look, you just saved all these people. That's why they won't want the Sentinels." She's holding a gun to the president. Right, and they they would still make the Sentinels. It makes no sense to me. And she, Eric, just flew in with an entire baseball stadium (laughs) and took over the Sentinels and killed everyone. And now we're left to believe, oh, because she didn't pull the trigger, they're not going to go through with any of this.
1: And she, and yeah, I mean, she saves the president from another mutant, right? Like, so it's not like, it's it's like she's saving them from a human threat, really. I mean, you can argue- Then she
0: shoots the other mutant. So if anything, people are going to think these mutants are just crazy. Right. They're fighting each other. Like, they're not going to think, oh, this is a really peaceful thing. Let's not do this. Now, I think someone's going to push back online on social media, at the FFW podcast, and they're going to say, they're going to say, well, well, they're going to blame it on Trask Sentinels going crazy, but all you would have to do is prove that Magneto took him over. Right. And then say this is the reason we need him more. So that the ending of that how it goes down is so funny to me plot hole wise.
1: I Okay, my my last plot hole question, which is not specifically days of future past, but it kind of is, um So the last, like within the different timelines, right? Like this movie follows first class for the past X-Men and it follows X-Men 3 in terms of the last time we saw uh, like Ian McKellen and uh, Patrick Stewart's characters. And here's the, in in the last stand, (laughs) Professor X dies. Like he dies and gets ripped apart and they have a funeral for him.
0: And I I don't get, I don't get that stuff.
1: And then he's just just, probably
0: some crazy explanation. Someone wants to make. Yeah. It's just not well done. No one had the vision like Kevin Feige. Right.
1: That's the problem. Right. But that's like, I mean, there are other, like (laughs) there's so many that I can forgive, but to have like a very memorable, Death of a character who then just shows back up. And I know people are going to talk about like the post credit scene from the Wolverine, but that doesn't offer any more explanation either. Like we have this other moment of him showing what, what up. What
0: is the post credit scene again?
1: So at the end of the Wolverine, which I think was technically the last like X Men universe film to come out before uh, this one, which that's a movie I actually really like as well. Um, Wolverine's coming back. Yeah, it back. sounds
0: like you love this movie. <laughs>
1: wolverine's coming well yeah anyway wolverine's coming back from uh (laughs) like i think he was in japan and he's like coming in through the airport and suddenly everyone freezes and he like sees charles and eric walking towards him and he has this moment of like whoa charles like i thought you were dead and then it like goes to black they're like we or or they say like we need you (sighs) for something and then it goes to black and that's that's it like that's like He's like, whoa, how are you alive? And they sort of promise this, like, yeah, he's back. Just wait. We're going to tell you how he's back. But then they just don't, which is bananas okay, to okay, me. Okay, okay, okay,
0: okay. Okay, it's so weird. Can you actually, not in a joking way, explain to me the ending? So I think what's funny about this versus Endgame, right, is that Endgame kind of takes the time travel thing and says, you can't change, basic, basically, you can't change stuff.
1: Right, right, right.
0: So they take the stones out, they use them in their own timeline, they put them back, and they don't try to change what goes on with, like, for example, Gamora, right? Right. But with this movie, it's the total opposite, right? Basically, we can go back, we can change it, and then if we change it, it wipes out the the future or the present we're watching, Right, they literally disappear. A.K. the Sentinels never happened. Right, the war never happens. Right now, there is no right or wrong because we don't know time travel, so we don't know how it works.
1: But this is this is but, much more like the kind of Back to the Future style time travel.
0: Right, we'll go back, we'll change it. It will change the course of history forever. Right, and there that like there is like the one timeline now that we're in. But obviously, that messes up like crazy all the other films. Like I don't understand Wolverine's route anymore. Mm. Like where he actually went. So tell me the very ending of the movie, he wakes up, they're all in this school. Right. And this is maybe dumb. This maybe shows how little I know. Why does Charles say welcome back? Because like Wolverine has been teaching classes. Right. So is he just saying like, and how does Charles know? Because that's the James McAvoy Charles, I guess, right? That Wolverine talked into going back to being Professor X in 1973. So is he just saying like, he basically was waiting for that version of Wolverine to become mentally conscious of what had gone down. Like he waited 50 years for Wolverine to become aware.
1: Is that the point? That's my understanding because I guess like Wolverine kind of snapped back to whatever the equivalent date would have been When he went back, like in when they were in China with the Sentinels coming, and I guess that day. Okay, okay,
0: but Wolverine in nineteen eighty three, Wolverine in nineteen ninety three, all that would now theoretically remember that he did this in nineteen seventy three, right?
1: No, because that Wolverine. Because the Wolverine from the seventies, what like that was the future Wolverine's like consciousness in the past Wolverine. So once he like snapped back. The past Wolverine wouldn't have remembered anything that happened while Oh,
0: like that like that one scene when they're losing him, he totally forgets what's right, going on. Right.
1: Right. So, I got yeah, I th- my understanding okay. is like when when he wakes up from being pulled out of the the river, he would have no memory of what had gone on. My question in terms of the ending, why though, is that mystique? That was what I was going to say. That's such a strange call to me because
0: I, that's kind of like Loki being on the throne at the very end with uh, with Odin. Right. Because, like, if that had been Stryker, right? Right. Like, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Right, no, it totally. him, and now he goes... Because
1: then it just but, loops yeah, into... Said, my
0: wife goes, well, they're just messing with all different realities. I'm like, that's stupid that that's the answer. Right. Hey, this is just kind of fun. Which I, I think it
1: is, because the last line is, like, something... Like, James McAvoy is doing, like, a voiceover, um, and he talks about how, you know, the future isn't said, and anything can happen. And then you see the flash. And I guess it's maybe supposed to be again, coming back to like Jennifer Lawrence mystique being the heart of this movie. And so they wanted to end on a note like that. Um, But it's also strange because
0: why is she taking him? Where is she taking right? Exactly.
1: Because she like that. I think that's what's, I think what's strange for me about this is that like, you have these like moments of character growth in these movies that are then just, Abandoned, and so like especially Apocalypse, which I kind of just pretend doesn't exist. Like I I like to pretend that (laughs) that this. same here.
0: That's the exact same here. (laughs) Like I like like, watch it once, and I was like, yeah, that movie doesn't exist in my brain anymore. No,
1: no longer. Like it's. I feel like this. Like I'm saying, like if we treat this as the end game of the X Men universe, I think it actually really works well, and even undoes. Some of like in the same way that we talk about Endgame, kind of making Thor two uh, better by incorporating it. I even think that that Days of Future Past does some of that work. But I just doing something like that with Mystique there at the end, and then like in Apocalypse, they kind of continue with them basically. I think they like break Logan free from like the Weapon X program. Or something in there, which just shows yes, that, like, right. he does wind up doing that. So does that mean that Mystique is the one that does that to him in that universe? Because that's really messed up. Yeah, and-, and, e-
0: and even if she's thinking to herself, okay, like there would be no way that Mystique would know that that future Logan would then suddenly become unaware and go back to old Logan, right? You know, like, how would she know that mentally? Right. She even if even if she bought in that. I don't know. I don't get it. Even if she bought in that he was from the future, I don't know why she would have any reason to believe that in that instant he'd snap back to knowing nothing.
1: Here's my thought. If we are ignoring X-Men Apocalypse, which I think we're both... Willing to do. <laughs> okay. I I could see,
0: but they didn't. They right, didn't. But they, but
1: they didn't. Okay. But I could see a reality in which the point is, oh, you think it's looping back, and you think Wolverine's gonna be like turned into, like, have to go through all this stuff again. But then maybe, maybe the point was, like, at the very end, you see, like, oh no, it's not. See, it's gonna be different. And so you're supposed to think, like, well, maybe he won't have to go through all this. Maybe it isn't like a loop like that. Since we've also seen like so much in the future has changed, and that like I, I can uh-huh. kind of get on board with, and like that's kind of cool, yeah, but then they undo all that <laughs> in apocalypse by just having him go through the same thing
0: okay, 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 we're a long ways into this. one more beef, okay and this is a weird this is a weird beef, this is a deep cut. I can't help but think that Brian singer was obsessed with inception at the time oh right and and Whoever did the music for this movie, I'm sorry I'm forgetting who did it. The music is really good, but it's a literal copy of the Inception score from Hans Zimmer. Huh. And I have a huge beef about it. Like the very last scene when, when Logan's waking up, he's like waking up and looking around in slow motion. He's wide-eyed because he's so shocked. He's, he's like just putting together what happened. It's literally identical to them waking up on the plane looking around at each other, like realizing, did that just happen? Oh, it did. We did it. And the exact same score, (laughs) those chords, (laughs) it's the exact same chord progression. The first two chords are just a piano. You can't do just a piano with those two chords and not be copying it. You just can't. (laughs) And so to me, it's crazy. Go back and listen to it. You think I'm crazy?
1: No, yeah, I need to go listen to it. I didn't think about that, the Inception Connection.
0: And then the the main um, theme for Eric, which is awesome, uh-huh. is like those same blasting horns. Brr, brr, and it's a uh-huh. cool theme. But I'm just like, the guy who made this soundtrack must have been listening to Inception on repeat.
1: Maybe, well, yeah, maybe Singer was just telling everyone to channel as much Inception as they could.
0: <laughs> and it's not near the movie Inception is, obviously. Right, but right. I just, I couldn't, I can't get over how the main emotional theme is the same t- first two chords almost four chords in a row identical with just the piano and like the same tempo anyways that's a little yeah. beef but I, I still like it because obviously it works right those right. chords do elicit an emotion that's why Hans zimmer did it I, right you know of like reflection nostalgia but also sadness and joy at the same time it's genius in inception that's why they're using it i get it <laughs> and
1: i did so i did notice um on like a total different score note. Um, I've, I've caught this a few times because I listened to the Black Panther uh, score a, a good bit, as we've talked about. And uh, Ludwig in the Black Panther score rips off of the main X-Men theme a little bit. Not in the main like Wakanda theme that we talk about, but, like, it's it's during, like, the final battle of Wakanda of and Black Panther. He puts in this, like, dun and lana, but and lana thing. And uh, I don't know i I'm just going to
0: choose to not believe you.
1: I don't know if he did that on purpose. <laughs> I, he couldn't have done it on purpose. But it's definitely—I'll point it out to you at some point. But just—so, in the same way that X-Men ripped off of something, uh, Black Panther ripped off of X-Men in a very minor way that no one but me is— Ever known as probably okay. okay.
0: As <laughs> as far, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna choose to believe you didn't say that. Um, as far as the Eric versus Charles tension goes, and that being the core of the X Men, that. Charles fundamentally believes that this relationship between humans and mutants can be repaired. Right. And they can work together to a greater good. And Eric fundamentally believes that they're always going to be at war, so we might as well have the mutants try to win. As far as that goes, I think it's really well done here. I feel the tension between the two of them. I I, I see both sides. Like, I see why Magneto would just say, this is not going to work. They obviously make Sentinels in the future. Let's just kill them now. And I also see why Charles thinks they can still save it and that can be repaired. And they've always battled with that relationship going back to the original X-Men. Right. Um, But I think it's really well done here. I think it's better done here than ever before.
1: I I agree with you. Because I
0: think you're tying in the future and the past. You can do that. So that's something I really enjoy about this movie. In general, also... I just had a lot of fun watching it. I think I was able to put those plot holes aside. And there's a lot of fun things for me. Like I said, I like McAvoy's performance. I like Fastbender's performance. I like a lot of the side characters' performance. Um, I like Trask in his role.
1: Yeah. Um, How do you feel about Nicholas Holt as uh, Hank McCoy? He's okay. Yeah, that's about where I am, I think. Uh, I Yeah, I
0: don't think I left the movie feeling like... He killed it, but I also don't feel like he mailed it in.
1: I no, I so I'll say I'm actually a much bigger fan of him uh like as the non beast version of Beast, if that makes sense. Like
0: Yeah, I do like that. The way
1: that they made him, whether that's to the degree that's makeup slash CGI, um I don't love that. That's another thing that kind of pulled me out. Like I feel like the the I just didn't <sighs> I didn't okay, love. Okay, what Beast did you really enjoy? Okay, okay, what okay. did
0: you really enjoy?
1: Um, I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. I'm with you. I, I do really love the Eric and Charles, uh, relationship there, and I do like James McAvoy in general. I guess I just, I think part of it really. No,
0: no, no. stay no, 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 no. <laughs> tell me what you do enjoy. I'm not gonna let you keep <laughs> saying.
1: No, my 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 point there was just saying I think that like Endgame, having watched that recently, I I like really enjoy how nuanced some of those performances are like, like even Thor's depression and the way he, he performs that versus I think the way that it's set up here, let me
0: do something good. Let
1: me do right. Something. Like, like it's just nuances. Yeah. I, but, and, but that's not to like, I, I don't mean that to, to so much take away from this. Like, cause I can't, I can't view this solely as a comparison. So, I mean, I, I do like Matthew. Also, McAvoy's. also,
0: also, 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 also. Just compare that in your mind to like when everyone gets dusted and Captain America just says, oh, God. Right. Like that performance is more powerful than it's so much pain. That's what I'm saying.
1: It's that stuff. Yes. Where it's like.
0: I, like, <laughs> I know. But I still like it. I, I still like it. I thought he did a good job. I think he it did It is a good over job. the top sometimes. That's
1: what I mean. But they, you're right. In comparison moments.
0: there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah like. For sure. For for the for the and, and maybe that's what I should say. For the most part, I don't think that that's the case. I think there are just a few moments, like the one where he's like, he's like, you poor, poor man. Where it's like, ah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also the moments where like, he's rubbing his legs in the plane and uh, Wolverine says, are you okay? He says, yeah, I'm getting there. And then he kind of just like looks out the window. Right. And I feel like that's the subtlety that I like. Yeah. It's in there.
1: No, and, and I will say like, I appreciate the fact that um this is really the the one movie where we see Charles be kind of fallible. Um like I think normally Xavier is sort of seen as the as kind of Yeah. Just good and benevolent and like, doesn't really struggle with all that much. I mean, which is not to like, Oh,
0: see, I re- I really liked that. I liked that. He has the decision about get rid of his powers, right. but he can walk. No, that's what I that's mean. That's a beautiful that's what I mean. gray area thing. Like, cause, yep. cause I he's think jaded. That, that's kind of fun for me.
1: Right. I think that it's, and I think it even adds some, in, some interesting layers to his relationship with Eric, because I think what we've seen in the past Which is which is also interesting in a different way is like Eric's come from such a tortured background. Charles was kind of brought up with like a silver spoon. And so it that sort of plays into also their ideas of of kind of how they view the world, whereas Eric views it as inherently dangerous and and violent, and Charles views it as kind of inherently good and peaceful. And
0: that's one of my favorite things about the movie is that Logan has to convince him and Eric during that time. Right. That's like my favorite plot point about that.
1: No, totally. And, and I do love the role reversal that Wolverine brings up when he says, you know, like, you're the one that that got through to me and I'm not able to do that for you. But, you know.
0: Right. Wolverine is not a teacher at all right. or compassionate or any of that.
1: I mean, so I in terms of what I liked, like I I do like McAvoy, Fassbender as those characters, um, and I just love Hugh Jackman in general. I've always loved his Wolverine. I think it's really fun. Yep. I think it's why it was the anchor, has been the anchor of the franchise, and I think the reason why I like this movie more than First Class is is to the extent that he gets kind of moved into that into the role of center stage more than like Mystique, who I just don't think is doing a, a bunch of great stuff here. But, yeah, like, I love – I I do love the way they do time travel here. Like, I was thinking about it a lot. Like, I – it's so different than in game, like you were saying, but I think that it really works, and it's really fun. Um, And I, I think – I
0: think it's an easier way to do time travel. Like, it's easier for our human minds to get around for this. For sure. Like, because if you just think of, like, okay, if I go back and I just wipe out the new – like, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. The, the future, I don't even know how to say it because it's hard to say, but it's easier to just think you can go back, change it. And that's easier than thinking about like branch realities right. or what if Captain America is living in a world where technically there's two Captain Americas at the moment. Right. You know, all of that stuff makes it more complicated.
1: And and again, there are like, there are some things that I, I feel like were this a, a world that Kevin Feige was was living in there are some steps that would have been explained a bit better. Cause I just feel like he feels like now he kind of owes that to the audience. Um, in in a way that maybe like singer and whoever was, was in charge at Fox here didn't like with like, the thing is with like Kitty who we've only seen in, in x the last stand, have the ability to like walk through walls. Like there's really no explanation of why she can now send consciousness back in time. <laughs> Um, yes. Like it doesn't feel like those two skills are related. Speaking
0: of the, uh, inception connection there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but you know, once like if you're again, like once you're just kind of willing to buy whatever they, they give you, I do think it's, it's fun. And even like the, her having to kind of do that after he's, he's like slashed her with his claws. Uh, Also, I I think that the, like him not having metal on his claws in the past is kind of a cool thing. Um, just to show how, again, like it's, it's still kind of working within the continuity they had set up, even though that continuity is a little scrambled, but I, oh, wait, one thing I wanted to talk to you about that I know is kind of a, a debate to some degree. How, how do you <laughs> feel about the different, uh, I mean, we had like within a year of each other, two versions of Quicksilver, right? Um, we have the the Age of Ultron MCU version. Then we have this version who I think goes on through the subsequent X-Men films. Um,
0: Okay. You want to hear a hot take? Yes or no?
1: Yeah. Give it to
0: me. I have not really enjoyed either character that much. Hmm. I don't feel like either one got it super right. Like when he dies in MCU version, I don't feel it like I should, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And this version got a ton of praise because I think a ton of people thought it was fun to see how fast he is, and and that like that funny like I mean think about how drawn out that scene is in the kitchen, right? Um
1: Which is a cool purpose. scene. Which is a cool scene,
0: and it's cool. It is cool, and the visual is really fun. Yeah. Anytime you do those visuals where one person's moving and nothing else is, is fun. And the music, and how he can just move the boat. It it makes me a little bit believe like how would he ever get shot if it's that slow for him like how would he ever get caught doing anything if it's that slow right and I don't know I don't I don't know I don't know how to say it I didn't buy his attitude as much and I just have never loved either character
1: yeah I I tend to am I gonna get crushed for saying that no I don't think so I mean it's such a fleeting I, I I don't um. I get why Whedon killed the character off in Age of Ultron because I, I think he was doing that bait-and-switch that we've talked about where he wanted you to think it was going to be Clint that died, but he still wanted to have the emotional resonance of, of a death. But I think by by introduce... Yep. Anytime you introduce and kill a character in the same movie, it's just going to be difficult. Like, in the context of, like, a 22-movie franchise, right? Like, it's going to be difficult for that character to make a huge mark. Um, but I do think, like... That the quicksilver in the MCU has slightly more emotional resonance to me just because I think of his connection to Wanda, um, and even the a bit of the relationship with Clint, whereas here, i I think that it's I think part of it is
0: that Wanda, is not super settled into her role in Ultron. Mm. So I don't super buy the relationship because the entire extent that I know Quicksilver is just during Wanda's, like before I would say she's like Wanda, Wanda. Yeah, like yeah. Civil War Wanda and like Endgame Wanda is best acted Wanda. right? And so I just don't feel the relationship that early on as much yet.
1: No, I feel that. I, I do think, I think that I like the... um the attitude of MCU Quicksilver a bit more like the one in days of future past is a little too like young and goofy for me. Teenagery. Yeah. But I do like, I I think the way it's executed in days of future past is, is really cool. Like I think like what you're talking about with those, with those visuals. Um, But I I just thought that it's, I do think you're right. I feel like generally people tend to prefer the X-Men version there, I think that's, that's such a kind of interesting moment in, in film history where, uh, it, it's, it's funny cause I don't know what those contracts would have looked like in, in terms of you yeah. know, Marvel selling the film rights to the X-Men. But I, I feel like that's such a, it's funny when you have that moment and technically Wanda would be in that, in that category too. Cause in the comics, uh, Wanda and Pietro are Magneto's kids, um, Ugh, and the so, boring
0: of the lines gets me stressed out and I don't want to think about
1: right, it. Right. But it, it is just interesting because it's like I guess as Marvel, if you're signing over the X-Men but keeping the Avengers, but in they've technically also been members of the Avengers, you wind up with this uh duplication. But I mean, I think both were were done reasonably reasonably well. But I just was uh was curious to hear your thoughts there. Last thing,
0: I think I said this earlier, but Magneto's a badass. Yeah. And he gets some cool visuals. Uh I don't fully know the extent of his power at times, but um, when he's flying and he just puts his hands out and he can kind of fly and levitate. Right. And like you get, and the horns are going, like you get a little bit of that, like, ooh, this guy is bad to the bone. But with his power, like I don't understand the extent of it a little bit. I get, okay, he controls metal, but when they start blending in the other movies, like he can pull the iron out of your blood and make that metal. And then it's like, okay, then- at this point, there's literally no way to ever stop him if he can turn iron in your blood into metal that's controllable. I I sit there and I think like, it's a little bit the funny nature of like Wolverine charging him because I'm like, what would he ever be able to do? Right. Ever. If he can just make the iron in your blood. So, and I'm like, in first class, he's learning his power and he like, struggles to move like a few small things. Then he finally learns to like turn the satellite dish. And that is a big moment, right. but that's a pretty far cry from that to lifting an entire baseball stadium and flying with a baseball stadium.
1: Right. I was thinking that too. Um,
0: so like, it's a really cool moment. It's dope how he does it. But I'm also like, man, this is, if you're writing his powers on paper, it gets really confusing.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, in I think, and then I
0: think, oh, and last thing, he takes metal and intertwines the sentinels with metal so he can control them. Right, but that goes from metal to to control them to he's able to turn them on, yeah. activate them, <laughs> and talk to them, and they listen to him. One time he says, "Do what you were made to do," and they all go separately. Like, so the metal, I guess, can now control the computer brain? I
1: thought that. Of it? And I just think that it's interesting that he was able to, like, he knew enough. Although, I guess, do we see him looking at the schematics for the Sentinels? Is that how he knows how to, like, get in and change there?
0: But still, metal does that?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I mean... I, to to be fair to your iron point, and like my
0: wife said when he's when he's like sewing the stitches on the back of his head, my wife's like, just because you can move metal doesn't mean you'd be able to see the back of your head that easily. That's, okay, that's and there's true. a mirror there, but still, it's like, geez,
1: that's true. Um Yeah, I mean, I, so it gets a little wonky. It does. Even though
0: he's a great acted character and it's a dope character, yeah, I a little bit start going like, what with some of this stuff
1: he's one of those characters that I do think is really fun. And and he's kind of been one of these uh, big villains that's also been the anti-hero in, in Marvel for a while. Uh, and in the comics, it's also kind of that thing where on some levels, like, I think he's gone so far into the comics as to, like, as to like reverse the poles of the earth. <laughs> like, it's so... <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's like... And that's the thing with, like, the X-Men is like some of these characters get like, like they call them Omega level mutants. And it's like Jean Grey, where they just are so powerful that they literally just control all of reality. And at some point it just becomes like, okay, well, I don't like, what can what can yeah. anyone yeah. do in the face of this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I will say that, okay, in, wait, wait, in, well, wait, in X, I was going to say maybe... about the iron in his blood, <laughs> to their credit in X2, when they do that, Mystique like injects, like more iron into that security guard's blood so that Magneto sure. is able to do that. Like, I don't think he was able to do sure. that beforehand and that's like how they plan the sure. escape. So I don't think he's always able to do that. I think that like she puts so much in there that it allows him to sure. pull it out of, okay. Out that's okay. See, I Maybe can, the I can anti-hero still defend, thing it. Is I can one defend of the, it. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the anti-hero thing is one of the reasons why I've always liked him. It's kind of like Killmonger in that way where you don't really know if he's good or bad and at times he is good and at times he's bad it kind of just if it aligns with his agenda or not right but i've enjoyed that gray area with that character and yes the x-men power level thing is off for me that's one of the most beautiful things about the mcu and i've talked about it so many times on this podcast if you haven't listened to it go back and listen to our other (laughs) episodes Uh, i'm giving a lot of self plugs here you notice this um
1: i love it
0: but 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 um Like, again, by creating the Infinity Stones, that's what grounds everything for me. You said, okay, the Infinity Stones are the strongest things in the universe. And so, like, Thanos controlling them is basically like controlling the universe, like, aka reversing the poles. But it's because of the stones. And they start there, and they work their way down. So you say, like, Thanos is an incredibly strong character, but he can be defeated by a weapon forged in the heart of a dying star, et cetera. But, like, if you were charting it on paper, you could almost, like see what they're trying to do with the power levels. Whereas with the X-Men, it's like, I just can't, it's just all over the map. Because you don't have like a grounded thing like these stones or right. like a Thanos- And I've said this a million times. It's what a little bit makes me nervous about the MCU going forward. If they just try to make another character like Adam or something that's even stronger, I will start losing interest because it's coming. It's falling down with the X Men syndrome. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. But if they go like a political villain, like we've talked about, like they go Norman Osborn, they go Sinister Six, or ground level. Awesome, I yeah, love it. Agreed. But let's like back off with like the pole reversing type thing. Okay.
1: Well, <laughs> right. well, and it's interesting because in the comics, um, they've had several like extinction level events for mutants, and I think that that's been creators realizing that it's gotten so unwieldy. I mean, because there have been periods where you have like five or six different X Men teams out there, and those are just the, like, superhero mutants. Those aren't just, the, like, the normal mutants that are yep. living out there. And so you've had, like, at one point, Wanda in the comic, we might have talked about this, like, actually, like, alters reality so that, like, she basically eliminates the mutant gene in, like, 99.9% of of the population. So, that, like, there are only basically some of the core X-Men characters left, and even some of them lose their powers. And I think that, like, they've had a couple different moments like that where they try to rein it back in and then it gradually expands again. And so, yeah, I just think that it would be... I'm curious to to see oh. what Kevin Feige is thinking about this because I, I think that he's well-versed enough to know that these are issues. Yeah. Um, but...
0: Well, that kind of underscores a fundamental difference right there. Like, a movie like Spider-Man Homecoming cannot exist in the X-Men
1: universe right. because
0: you just can't have a ground level story like that or a villain like Vulture when guys are reversing Earth's poles.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I want to say, I know I came in hot. I know I came in hot, <laughs> which p- part yeah. of me enjoys the opportunity to do because it's so rare that uh, I'm ever attacking a movie that we're talking about on here.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: But but I, I do like I like this movie. And again, like I I I really like a lot of their performances. There, there are some issues here for me that just like took me out of it. And and I guess my biggest takeaway is what what you were kind of saying earlier about the difference between between this and the MCU stuff. Like I I have the same the same response with some of the Tobey McGuire Spider-Mans or the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans or like to, to a much greater extent, like the Fantastic Four movies and the DC stuff. Like I just <laughs>
0: much greater extent. I, to a much
1: greater extent, obviously. Uh, and there, I mean, there are levels, <laughs> but, but my thing is just, I like, watched
0: the Chris Evans Fantastic Four. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. Keep going. <laughs> I, <laughs> Keep
1: going. I still haven't seen the 2015 one with uh, Michael B. Jordan, but my, my point is just, I, yes, am, am a lifelong comics fan and I like superheroes in general, but That, the reason this is an MCU podcast is not because we like superhero movies. You know what I mean?
0: That's what I'm saying. My favorite version of Robbie is defending the MCU versus all other comic movies. That's my favorite thing. (laughs) I think that's a good, that's a good word to end it on. That's why we do a podcast and the MCU, because it is better in a lot of ways than a lot of these other things.
1: Yeah. It's just, there's a. And and people
0: lump them together.
1: Yeah. But it's not always lumpable. <laughs> it's, well, even, even again, to go back to the very beginning, like the, like this movie came out the same year that winter soldier and guardians of the galaxy came out like,
0: Oh, the, what a year
1: though. Right. right but like the difference in, in quality there to me, like, I guess that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. Like as much as I loved and enjoyed this movie and really do think that this is about as good as an X-Men movie could be. When yes. you look at it next to either of those Marvel Studios movies that came out that year, it it pales in comparison. No doubt. You know,
0: but- Well, this was fun. This was fun. This yeah. was fun. I, I loved the role reversal. <laughs> it was fun to kind of a little bit try to defend. What's weird though is that so many of the things you have said is how I've always felt. So I am a little bit stuck uh, in this role reversal, but, you know, I enjoyed this movie a little bit more than right. you maybe just said. But I yeah. agree with what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for
0: listening, everybody. Holy cow,
1: man. I, I would love to hear people's feedback, even if they're, even if they're coming for me. I, uh, I know that this is I kind of
0: hope this is controversial. <laughs> we haven't taken a negative stance like this really in a while.
1: I know, I know, which I never want to do. Cause it's like, ultimately the threshold is like, I, I, I love, I tend to like movies in general. Um, and especially like like X-Men movies like I do enjoy so I don't want anyone to think that I'm just totally trashing it but I am curious to hear people's feedback uh cuz I know that yeah. this is this is pretty revered as as far as like superhero movies in general go right. wouldn't you say
0: Yeah and even though I did point out some of the things I didn't like I'm going to leave it on this note like I would give it like 80 or 85%. That's maybe higher than Robbie, Mm -hmm. but don't take away from this that I did not enjoy it. I very much enjoyed watching it last night. I had no problem getting through it and I had a ton of fun and I thought it was well done in a lot of ways. A lot of things he's saying are true, but it doesn't ruin the movie for me. I still liked it. Robbie's probably a little bit lower, but yes, is it as regarded as some people would say? Maybe not. Let's hear your feedback, people. Social media, I've already plugged it a hundred times, but at the FFW Podcast, we want to hear from you. Our website, theffwpodcast.com, we want to hear from you there. But also, I'm going to put this out there again, please rate and review and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, We have a lot of Apple Podcast listeners, even over Spotify, so if you listen on there, we would really appreciate you leaving us a five-star review. Yes. Uh, And even if you want to do a lower-star review, that's fine. Like we said before, you know, we're kind of pressuring you into a five-star, but, you know, vote your conscience. Vote but we'd conscience. love to at least hear from you on there. Um, We've had so much fun doing this. We are going to be taking a tiny break in August. Not even a break, but maybe just a little bit less frequent content for Robbie and I. Yep. But then we are excited to get all in and rolling again in September, October, November, et cetera. Yep. And we'll be we'll be ready to go don't don't uh, you were about that
1: as soon as we have any kind of date on falcon winter soldier we we will get things rolling with Far From Home, which we still have to talk about to kick off our season two. Yep. So everyone be looking forward Absolutely. to that. We are for sure.
0: And I think we might have a matchup or two left. Yes. Maybe something with Logan, maybe something with Deadpool, something, something, Venom. I don't know. Yeah. We're yeah. going to work in some other matchups.
1: Yeah. There's some other stuff that I think if we if we have the time for, would be fun to explore. We appreciate you guys listening and, and kind of going through the summer series with us. It's been really fun for us to kind of delve outside of the MCU, though we are missing it. Um, So it will be fun to kind of hang around here for a bit if we have to.
0: No doubt. And as always, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for listening. We love you all. This has been Friends From Work.